Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 139. <laughs> they had it all. They had it all. I saw them waiting. Psalm 139. I really thought the Jeremiah one was where I was going, and it wasn't ruminating this afternoon very well. So, you know, ruminating, you chew on it a little while, make sure that it's done. It wasn't done. So, so we went a different direction. Psalm 139, beginning with verse 1. The psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind, and you have hedged me before, and laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take... The wings of the morning and dwell in the innermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say surely the darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed the darkness shall not hide from you. But night shines as the day and the darkness and light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was formed in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, we come uh, tonight praising your holy name. You and you alone are worthy of our praise and our honor. You, you are worthy of all the glory that is due you. The knowledge of you and how you love us and care for us and know us is truly amazing. Guide our thoughts tonight as we look at your word on how wonderful you are to us. And Father, I just pray that You'll touch our hearts tonight and encourage us from your word. Thank you for all you've done today. 
this morning in the Sunday school hour, the faithfulness of the teachers and you being there with us. Lord, uh, the singing and the uh, worship service this morning, and Lord, all the folks. Now tonight, Lord, more praising, and you're still here with us. And so teach us as only you can, and let Jesus be lifted up in our midst. These things I pray in his holy name. Amen. Years ago, uh, I had a hunting, hunting buddy in my church in North Little Rock. He was one of my deacons. And I always had to say, now, Ricky, are we supposed to be here? Because Ricky had this bad habit where we would go. He might know the people, but that didn't mean he asked permission to hunt there. And they say, I know we're running across somewhere trying to get away because somebody's chases, doesn't know it's Ricky, and definitely doesn't know me. And I said, if you don't quit that, I'm done hunting with you. But on this one occasion, he assured me before that night before that he'd call the guy, and the guy knew he was coming. And, and so we went out of Little Rock, and we drove a couple hours up this direction, a couple hours north. And, and uh, the hills were just beginning. And, and all at once, we turned off on this little one-lane road. I mean, it didn't even look like a road. And of all things, the name of the lane was Wit's End. And I thought, I don't know if I like this or not, Ricky. But what I found out, there was a lawyer there that he knew that was a friend of his, and he had a cabin up there. And it was a cabin to get away for he and his wife uh, when they, they were both large, when they were at Wits End. When they couldn't take any more of the rat race there in Little Rock, they would go to their little cabin and they would hang out, and he'd given us permission to deer hunt there. And sometimes we need a place that's our wits end. You see, sometimes we just can't take it anymore. Maybe a health problem has sort of debilitated us, or maybe a financial problem has worried us sick. Maybe a relationship problem has caused us sleepless nights. Maybe a spiritual problem has just come upon us all at once and we didn't realize it and it just sort of kicked the chair out from underneath us. Well, we come uh, to a psalm that sort of deals with that. You see, it's a psalm about God's presence. It's a song about God's peace. It's a psalm about God's knowledge of us. You see, and we always need to know that God knows us, and he's still for us. God knows us, and he's still for us, and he is with us. And so I want to look at two or three things about being at your wit's end, remembering those things about God, that he knows us, uh, that he's still for us, even though he does know us, and he's still with us, even though he does know us. The first thing I see is in these first six verses, it's God's perception. You see, David starts off and he says, do you know how God knows you? That's what he starts off with. He says, remember when you find yourself at wit's end, God knows you. He says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. And the Hebrew word is a word there that means to open up, to look with intent, that nothing is hidden. It would be like uh, uh, opening up a person to find out what was inside of them uh, to make sure, you know, it used to be called exploratory surgery. They don't do that anymore. They've got things that look inside of you now. Uh, 
and it's amazing to me what they can see. But you see, long before we developed the medical technology to do that, God in his infant wisdom knew us and searched us to our very core. Nothing was hidden from his sight. It's his perception. And this psalm is a prayer, and it's really a praise that he knows us. Now, I want you to think about that. The only one true living God, the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer, the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is holy, 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 took the time to know you and me. We're important enough that he searched us and knows everything about us. And if that doesn't brighten your day in the midst of it, then think of how he knows you. You see, God doesn't just know you a little bit. His knowledge is complete. You see, he, when he says, you have known me, you've searched me, know me, and, and that word there is to winnow grain, and we don't know a lot about that in our society anymore, but they used to take the grain after they harvested, and they'd beat it out, and then they would take some type of shovel or a fork, and they would throw it in the air. And all the chaff and the other things would blow away and the grain would do. And it means to get to the bottom of something. So God knows us enough that he's gotten to the bottom of us. Won't you think about that? You got things bothering you? That's normal. That's human. But God knows us so well he knows what we're thinking. And he knows what's bothering us. And he'll get to the bottom of it if we'll let him. Now, that may not really encourage you like it does me. But you see, he knows our posture and he knows our thoughts. He knows when we lay down, he's acquainted with all our ways when we rise up. He knows the words that we're going to say before we ever even get them out. He knows what we're going to do. It's not fatalistic. It's just his knowledge. I liked when he said, you hedge me behind and before. In other words, God's hands are our, our protection behind us, before us. And he said, you lay your hand upon me. So if you didn't realize it, God's got it covered. Whatever's causing us to be at our wit's end, we need to remember that God knows about it and he cares for us and he's got us covered in the midst of it. David was a man who knew lots of grief and lots of trouble and lots of people wanting to kill him. And, and yet he came and said, you know me, Lord. You know where I am. You know what's going on. You know my, what my anxieties are. And you've got it covered. Praise you, God. And see, verse 6, I think the poet does what all of us have to do. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Now, the problem with that, a lot of times is that knowledge makes us want to flee. It's a little scary when people know us that well. I have to watch Elizabeth. I'll look over at her and she knows what I'm thinking. How I didn't figure it out. The look on my face or something. And it'll be, okay, honey, it's all right. Or it'll be. Nope. But as much as she knows me, she doesn't know me like God knows me. And the best news is God knows us, and yet he still sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place. That's his love shining through. 
You see, you need to understand whatever we're going through to put us at our wit's end, that Jesus was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin, and we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us, uh, that he was tempted in all points and he came through. And, and, and not only that, it, we're told in the book of Hebrews to draw near to the throne of grace because our high priest, Jesus, understands us because he knows us. It's God's perception of us. And that makes us want to flee, but do you understand that's not possible? He goes through a lot of that, and that's my second point. It's God's presence, not just God's perception, but God's presence. Everywhere the psalmist could think of to flee, God was there. In heaven, in hell, in the deepest part of the sea, in the light where he could fly as far and as fast as the wings of the morning, the rays of light streaking across the sky, God was still there in the darkness. It was not darkness to God because there is no darkness in God. You understand that, and I understand that. And even there, he found God's presence wherever he went, you see. The thing is, if you try to flee from God, it's not possible. Sometimes at wit's end, we just want to throw up our hands and give up. But God's presence is still with us. He's not going to allow that. He wants us to know he's got it. He's got us covered. You see, and he's present with his children. And I, I find that comforting. I find that sometimes scary. Because God knows me so well. And God's always with me. And so... He's got it covered, so how am I supposed to respond? Maybe you always respond in faith, and and you smile and and go through those things, and and you trust God. Sometimes I just sort of shrink back, and I don't want God to see me shrink back, but he's always with me. Don't be afraid. He's with us, and he's for us. No darkness. You see, darkness there, the scholars... On that word, debate whether it means physical darkness like death or spiritual darkness. Like if you were singing and or you were praying and it seems like they just go up and fall back down. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. God, are are you there? Are you listening? Yes, he is. Those are dark times when you feel that way. Those are the times not when God is not with us. Those are the times that God says, wait. I hate waiting. It's what I am the worst at. Of all the things I am bad at, waiting is the worst. Patience is not my virtue, and God knows that, and so he tries to do it. They made me pull over at McDonald's again this week. I was so befuddled that I decided to have a little fun. I told the guy, no, I'm not pulling over because last week you pulled me over and forgot to bring me my food. I had to come in and get it. And that was the truth. And then he had such an awful look on his face that I just rolled my eyes like a teenager. And I drove over and parked. 
I don't know about praising me because I told him I wasn't doing it. But I could see that awful look on his face and I thought, I better not be mean. See, I wouldn't have been able to tell him that if Elizabeth would have done it because she would have punched me. But don't be that way. But you see, all the promises in this psalm, I think verse 10 says... Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So here we are, and we're having to wait. We're at our wit's end. And if you're like me, that waiting while you're at your wit's end is not a pleasant time. It can be a very dark place. And yet, even there, God is holding on to us. So wherever you are tonight, maybe you're not quite at wit's end yet. Maybe you're past wit's end. Because I found out as we walked out that there's the cabin and there was a lot more past wit's end. Okay. And it was some thorny ground. It was some rocky place. It fits in just right well with that glade rock that I have on my place. But even there, where maybe you're at the place where they have to pipe sunshine. It's the only way you get it because you're so far spiritually. God is still holding on to us there. And the psalmist declares that and says, even there, when I'm at wit's end, when everything has gone wrong, when You know, it never seems like there's one problem to face. Have you noticed that? They come in at least threes. At least. You know, here's the way you express it to your pastor. Brother Gary, I know God said he wouldn't put more in me than I can bear, but he's got a lot more confidence in me than I have in myself. I've about had enough. That's when we need to remember like David remembered. Even there... Your right hand has a hold on me. Maybe he's holding you by the hand. Maybe he's got you by the scruff of the neck like a little kitten because you're about to collapse. I don't know. But please realize that I think the reason that God led me to this psalm is so that we will remember he still has us. He's still for us. So God's presence. What can you say about God's presence. You see, we know in Matthew, in Matthew 28, he said, Lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. And sometimes I think we're there and we're still going further. And I have to remember that he promised that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And the purpose is that we could be conformed to the image of his Son. Sometimes we resist that, and that's why we have to wait, or that's why I have to wait. I'll put it myself there. But he goes on to say nothing in that Romans 8 passage. Nothing created. Nothing in this world, physical, spiritual, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what this psalm is saying. God's presence is is there because he loves us. I want you to grab a hold of that and say, well, I don't, I don't know if I need that. Yeah, you do, and if you don't, you will. 
In verses 13 through 16, David talks about God's power. You formed my inward parts, and you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet they were none of them. You see, he's talking about something that only belongs to God, God's exclusive creative power. Why do we believe that what they want to call a fetus we know is life? In the hidden parts, before they had ultrasounds, God was knitting us together. God knew every day we would have from eternity past to eternity present and wrote them down in his book before there was a single one of them. That's power. That's knowledge. You see, one of the guys talked about his mother knitting him a sweater to bring home in the hospital, but I don't know much about knitting. I know that uh, you have to be patient. You have to have some skill. But what I've decided, it is a labor of love like most other things that are done well. And so think of the labor of love. What is it, Miss Sarah? Crossover, under, through, I don't know what it is. But God knows what it was. And there's a picture of God knitting us together. It's a labor of love. For my own self, I think of this quite often. Most of you know that they found out finally what was causing my little mini strokes was a disease. It's called HHT. Don't ask me to pronounce the big long name because it's about that long. And basically, my veins didn't form correctly, like from my heart to my lungs. But God knew that and let them find that out. And he protected me all these years till that happened. And then I think it was more, the reason he let it happen was to get my attention that he's got this. So, if your veins are great, praise God. If they're not, he's got it. When you're at wit's end, realize that. You see, in the midst of everything going on, David says in verse 14, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you don't believe in God and you see a small child, I don't know how that doesn't change your mind. They come out a perfect little person, little minis. And then God has a sense of humor and makes them act just like us. (laughs) And if that doesn't make you believe in God, what does? I saw a picture of Clint Peverell this morning. 
had a full head of hair when he was teaching as an early teacher. And uh, that wasn't what amazed me. His boys are the spitting image of him like that. That's a God thing. God carried it forward. So every time Clint looks at one of them and however they act, he sees himself. When I see my grandkids, unfortunately, when they're being little angels, I see Elizabeth. But when they're, when they're not, I see me. Now, there's a few times when Addison, I know, acts just like her grandma did when she was that age. Because some people have told me that knew her when she was that age. Okay. You must have been pretty good because Coach Hughes, if you know Coach Hughes, knew Elizabeth from the time she was five or six years old. I tried and tried to get him to tell me something. She said, nope. She's a good girl, and that's all he'd tell me. So we're going with that. But you see, you got God's power in this psalm, and then you got God's purpose in the psalm. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they'd be more than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Does that amaze you? Our God is so steadfast. I think the theological term is immutable. He never changes. You go to bed tonight and he's on his throne. You wake up in the morning, he's still on his throne. You go to bed tonight saved. I want to tell you something. You wake up in the morning saved because he is God and he accomplished that salvation. You may think you have problems, but I promise you, if you look around, you'll find others that are going through the same or worse. And and he is the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God. And his purpose is to have a relationship with us. That's why. And that should give us something. I read about... Some college kids. And they like to go uh, to the student center to try to study. Well, what they didn't like was somebody uh, there at the college was making money off a jukebox. And they were playing all different kinds. This is when they had records. If y'all don't know what those are, young people, I can show you some later, okay? They're making a comeback. And it was too noisy. And so whoever owned the jukebox... Ordered a special record. You'd put your, now this is when it was a quarter, you'd put your quarter in there and it would play that three and a half minutes of total silence. They said in just a few weeks, so many people had played it, they had to get a new record because it was worn out. Because they wanted it quiet while we were there for studying and for reflection and doing those kind of things. And, I, and I'm here to tell you, you know, with God's purpose to have a relationship with us, if you're at wit's end, the best thing that I can tell you is to get alone with God, get silent, and be done. One of the speakers this week said something interesting to me. He said, the Bible talks about fasting. We automatically go to food because that's what our world tends to revolve around. But have you ever decided to fast from any kind of social media? 
Have you ever decided to fast just to turn your phones off for a whole day and just spend that time with God? Don't read the newspaper. Don't read your phones. Don't, don't check if you got Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. All those things that I don't do. But I thought, okay. Now that's interesting to fast for God's purpose, to have that relationship. And just do that for a whole day once a week and see what it does for your relationship. That might be what Isaiah had in mind for our day when he said, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up as eagles. Isaiah forty thirty one. See, God meant when he said, be still and know that I am God. If you're at wit's end, you're right where God wants you. If you're at wit's end, it's time to turn everything off and just bask in his knowledge, in his presence, in his power, in his purpose for your life. If you're at wit's end, if you'll depend on him, you'll come out of it. I'm not saying some folks don't need a little help coming out of it. A good friend, their Bible and a cup of coffee. Maybe a counselor. People always fuss at me for saying this. Maybe you need to go to the doctor and have a physical and see what's really at the bottom of the way you feel. Maybe you need a little pill. I take one, Elizabeth calls it my happy pill. I haven't figured out why yet. But she knows when I don't take it. But my encouragement to you as your pastor is, if you're at wit's end, find out why you're there. And know that God is right there with you, wanting to help you get past or go back into the flow of life after you've been at wit's end. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes and y'all just keep your your seats. We're not going to do an invitation, a typical invitation tonight, okay? I want every head bowed and every eye closed and maybe what we'll do is, I'm going to lead us in a prayer here in just a minute, but I want just a time of silence and you just approach God and whatever, it may be weighing heavy on you. It may just be a little itch that needs scratch. It's just sort of in the back and you're trying to put it down, but it keeps coming back. And you need God to take care of it. I want you to turn it over to him during this moment of silence. Father, we do praise you that you are all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. I praise you that you never change. I praise you that there's no darkness in you, that you are light, that you are holy, that you are not like me. I praise you for the beauty of your holiness and for your righteousness. I praise you for your loving, tender mercies. For your covenant love. 
I praise you because you are my God. You are our God. Father, our church has been under such attacks. It just seems relentless. But you are still on your throne. We still look to you for our help. For those that are sick and afflicted in our midst and could not be here, would you help them? For those who have cancer diagnoses, will you help them? For those who have personal problems or relationship problems or economic problems, will you help them? Father, I pray a special prayer that you'll give our church body the joy of our salvation. Just let us come together and be giddy because we got to be in your presence. And Father, as we go home, remind us of your love for us. Keep us safe and lead us safely back. And this week, whether we're at work or home or play or whatever we're doing, let us tell somebody about Jesus. Thank you for this time, not really a sermon, just a sharing. I know they could have been anywhere else and they chose to be in your house. Bless them because of it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.